Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerkline. Cecil, Daniel Pinner Klein, and my very special and sexy guest. Can I say that? <laughs> Is that workplace sexual harassment? It's the only guest you can say. We are in our living room. <laughs> this is my wife, Morgan Day Cecil, who I've had the good pleasure of being married to for 13 years. We've been running it's been that long. 13 years coming up in 221. Okay. I are I round up. And I probably shouldn't because I don't think we've like crossed. Thirteen's my lucky number, so I would have known. It's gonna it. be a Should good year. <laughs> I always appreciate when people round up on their like their like age and stuff. Oh, I thought, I've been forty for yeah. three, it's three four years. Yeah, yeah. I've been twenty six. <laughs> round up, round down, round whatever. It's round. Though, just round. Point. It's easier. Than that. It's easier Forty than is that. the new twenty-six. I just had a conversation with my I friend. And we decided. We decided. No, just with more, com- you know, more consciousness. Great. Well, now that we've established uh, ages, uh, length of time we've been married, uh, you and I have been in the business of helping people for a good minute. And one thing that I had um, hinted at the last podcast episode was that there's never a person I've met, that's terrible grammar, I've never met someone who's as good at, at Morgan is at helping women separate themselves from fury, guilt, and shame. I bless you. Just keep going, man. Just do it again. It's the most entertaining thing that's happened in this podcast yet. I haven't met anyone who's as good as being me as I am. <laughs> I'm glad there's not a doppelganger out there who's as good as being your wife as I am. If there was two, okay. Anyway, um, I think I know what you're trying to say, and I appreciate Can it. Can we clarify that? Because I think people are probably going, what the fudge is he trying to go say? Go for it again. Do it Okay, here we go. Here we go. Morgan okay. is very good at helping women separate themselves from fear, guilt, and shame around their identity. This is a big deal. I feel like everybody has some level of a relationship with one of those three things, or maybe all of them, and with women in particular, you, you got a lot to live up to. You need to be a great, nowadays, a great mom, a great business person. You need to be sexy. You need to be intelligent. You have a lot of stuff that's kind of like, I would say, masculine energy plus. Like, and I think of the song, I can do every, you know, can do everything you can do better. Remember that? Is that Shania Twain? I can't remember. But... Um, I just think like women are killing it. Like we're in the time period where women are in the workplace and all other entertainment everywhere. And they're just murdering it. And somewhere in there, they're also dealing with all this fear, guilt, and shame. Not being enough. Not being being enough, being too much. Uh, Why don't you tell us some of those fears? Yeah. I work with a lot of women who are afraid of not being enough, afraid of that they missed out somehow that the best years of their life are behind them and they somehow missed it. And also women who are, um, feel like they're too much. Like if they're really honest with their deepest desires and if they were going to express that in the world, they would be too much. They would want too much. They would right. be, you know, selfish. There's a lot of fear around being 
selfish. And if a woman pursues what lights her up, is that taking away from her kids? Is that taking something away from other people in her life? And so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure coming from all sides, both the internal pressure from the soul to really know your potential and live your potential. And then the pressures from the outside that may not in alignment with that mm-hmm. pressures from society and culture those pressures uh, a lot of those pressures we get from the culture were brought up in right and you kind of started in women coming out of christian cultures religious cultures but that's not exactly who you're dealing with all the time right now is it i think the umbrella over purity culture is a patriarchal culture and mm-hmm. so we're all in a patriarchal culture mm-hmm. and the conditioning that women have experienced, men have experienced as well in a patriarchal culture is, you know, really play small. Unless yeah. you're, you express yourself in this particular way and usually it's a certain kind of masculinity, a certain kind of man, and they're elevated and appreciated and everyone looks to them as the boss or the one who knows the answers or is in control. And if you don't fit that box, then you're supposed to play small. You're not supposed to have desires or needs or, mm-hmm. you know, plans of your own. As you're describing that stuff, I was thinking about some of the corporate cultures I've been a part of and how that patriarchal system existed, even in the architecture of the offices mm-hmm. I was in. So I worked at a big office building in England that was built during world war two. And there were no phone lines going into the executive offices because the phone lines went into the secretary's offices and that's where the women worked and they were expected to basically field it and and make sure that they were doing the talking for the man and the executive. Mm. And they had to like rebuild all that stuff into the office space and put phone lines in and computer lines and all that stuff. And I think, so weird. Well, why is that? If I mean, isn't that more just the structure of an office? Like whether there's a man or a woman at the secretary's desk. That's a good question. Is that still how it works? Um, I think my part of the story that was in, like that I learned about the place was that some of it, for instance, like they didn't allow women in particular to smoke in the office building until the nineties and guys could and guys could uh, why? all the time. What's the theory there? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Guys are dicks. <laughs> They're distracted by women smoking. I have no idea. <laughs> so It's so small. That's funny. Okay. Well, um, culture, patriot, patriarchal, 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 I would just be curious, like, what your guys' experiences are. Like, as men in this society, did you feel permission to be fully self-expressed? I don't, I mean, I I think what, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about, funnily enough, the executive of that company. He had, he had, like, this Uber, I won't say his name because he's kind of famous in the car world, but he had this name that is associated with old um, Hollywood TV stars, Hollywood movie stars. So he had a name that was one of those old names and he was tall and he was big and he was loud. And he kind of seemed to have permission to take what he wanted to do this crazy stuff and have these crazy ideas. And I, and I was thinking about how there's a certain number of executives in the world, like CEOs, and they have these correlations between height Yeah. Right. 
And I read that too. Yeah. And uh, obviously color and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we suffer from, well, in a different way, but suffer under that same system that we're not even aware of, yeah. you know, where we aren't included because we aren't tall enough. Well, society isn't celebrating us because we're not the tallest guy in the room or because we're not the loudest or most aggressive or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And those men who genetically are, Mm-hmm. they are. And, yeah. and so I've thought about that. I've never been a loud person. I've never been a guy who's been super aggressive. I have had to f- find my own world and ways of being aggressive in you know, good ways. Right. And like healthy ways around sport and sports, you know, adventures, um, activity, you know, athletic athleticism. That's the word I was looking for. And it when inside ambition, it's there, but, but I kind of got into business when it was really started. Like when people were, I remember my, when I, my first office job, we had our, um, orientation, which was a week long. And then a quarter, I'm sorry, 20% of that entire orientation was about sexual harassment. Like this is not something we were going to do eight hours of don't sexually harass. Then they threw a party for us at the end of the week, which was the end of that day. And of course, a couple of guys in the group said something to a woman at the end of the night through the, you know, influence of alcohol and they got fired that day. And I'm like, man, we just took this class like this whole day of it. So I I never, it's the signals I got was like, holy shit. I don't want to even like get in that I don't even want to be associated with anything like that. Masculinity in that way. Yeah. So it becomes like, I I don't even want to get into like the toxic business masculinity. Yeah. I don't want to like, so I, I kind of steered clear of all that stuff. We, we definitely have strong archetypes and stereotypes around masculinity and femininity. Yeah. And I think part of the process of owning your life is to question those and find yourself in them and redefine what masculinity or for me, redefine what femininity yeah. means to me. And I remember early on in my studies, learning about power and power dynamics and whoever has control of the word has control of the conversation. And so whoever defines masculinity, they control the conversation. Mm-hmm. Whoever defines, um, you know, what it means to be a woman. So all these things, we can take the power back by beginning to redefine these terms for ourselves, I think that's definitely my, been my experience where I've had to redefine what masculinity means to me, what that energy means to me, what ambition means mm-hmm. to me, because I've never wanted to be associated with ambition that harms other people mm-hmm. or takes advantage of other people. And yet I had to own it in a way that is going to fill my heart up, you know, like, light my heart up, make me feel like I'm fulfilling my potential and taking care of my family. And I had to like pull out of the toxic masculinity business and culture. And this is also as like a father and as a husband and mm-hmm. the whole thing and slowly plug back into how I define it. What about you? What about what's your experience with patriarchal culture and, and masculinity. masculinity? Yeah. Um, well, the way that I work to create wholeness in myself, I'm 
in a male body, you know, and mm-hmm. what does wholeness look like there? What's worked for me is to look at the structure of a family, like the simplest family, mm-hmm. father, mother, child, and then to ascribe a certain number of qualities that each of those you might say archetypes or inner selves would have if they were whole within that. And and then those three lists would be the things that I need to attend to in myself. And so that has solved a lot of the like patriarchy, you know, it's like toxic this, toxic that. It's just like, what does a good father look like? Mm. A whole father. Simple. What does a whole mother look like? What does a whole Mm. child look like? Mm. We're all thriving in the world. Mm. And then let me take, and not too much of a list, let me just take five qualities, you know. Um, one quality for each, for example, be a father would be discipline, mm-hmm. you know. For a mother would be nurturing, and for a child it would be playful. I'm not saying those are the only things that each of yeah. us have. There's, that's just one that comes to my mind for each. We flesh each of those out for, for the sake of time. That's yeah. the gist. And then I look at my life and how to bring those into my life. You know, and then I'll run against, run up against problems and thresholds, inner thresholds. And, you know, and then it's my obligation to work that out. Yeah, One of the things he, he does, and I'm going to pick on you for a second, is you actually have, you actually carry around a list with you. I, yeah. Yeah. Of like values. Of values. Did those values correspond to those roles? That's a good question. I haven't made that connection, honestly. They, yeah. th- I would say if I busted those values out, that they, it would be very easy to relate them and ascribe them to different yeah. ones. But uh, actually, that's a really good How question. How do you work with your values? Like you keep them with you at all times. Do you? Well, sorry. Do you, I mean, I'm curious because I work with women and, and I really help them claim their values as one of like nice. square one of how to reclaim your wholeness is actually by identifying your highest values. That's awesome. Yeah. The way that it works for me is that I collect because like I'm not doing anything or collecting values that haven't been spoken before, but I have noticed that a lot of values are the same thing, just said a different way. Mm-hmm. So I need to, oftentimes I'll think, because the idea is simplicity, right? Yeah. I just would like a short list. And then I can make a longer list, but like, what are my top 10 values? Yeah. And so find the ways that I've heard them in the world that work or resonate. It's the language that hits my emotional inner self, you know, really mm-hmm. makes me feel the sense of the value. And then um, weed out all the fluff around it. Just know the short version of it. And then also categorize them as far as like what's most important. So if you had to do a top 10. But I also. So what's your like top five? Tell, right now, right now. Tell the truth huh. is huge. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of a shithead and I, I dissolve into like manipulation and lying mm. pretty easily. And just like I'm sneaky. Um, and it's just survival mechanism I've used in life, you know, and I've gotten good at it because knowing that my inner father wasn't there to be like, don't do that, you know? Yeah. So You're less of a shithead than all of us who won't admit that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's I funny that you said that. that. Yeah, I've been thinking is. about so, that very thing, like the, the sneaky and subtle ways that we don't even recognize how we're bending the truth with the slightest oh, yeah. nuance <laughs> of a inflection a yeah. word or phrase yeah not including a detail about a story you know like indulging a detail of a story and some some of that's grace sometimes yeah. you're doing that to to, to be graceful around yeah. someone else like yeah. it's not black and white sometimes yeah. that's a tool in the toolbox it's just an overused tool for me 
um, be kinder than you think you should, because mm. um, we're all suffering in ways that we can't tell yes. the person yeah. suffering. So let me treat the un, let me treat a person as if that unseen, unspoken suffering that I almost positive they're experiencing mm. in life, as if it's the thing I'm interfacing with instead of the persona I'm getting. Mm. You know, beautiful. That's is another it big one. Aristotle who says, "Be kind for everyone you know is fighting a hard battle." Boom. Mic drop, done. You know, it's like that's exactly. I could be wrong. Bill Burr says it. We're all eating a shit sandwich out here, so you know. (laughs) You know, everyone's got their way to say it. That's awesome. I didn't know that he said that. We can look it up after and put it in the show notes. I'm sure. (laughs) If it wasn't Aristotle, it's probably. How do you, because uh, it sounds like you've conceptualized this to the point where you can actually lead others to do it. What, what do you run into regarding leading women uh, to know their values and live from them? Yeah. So we can back up and with the question, who am I? Hmm. And we're all asking that question. And until we answer that question for ourselves, we're going to be defined by everything around us and other people are going to define us. Even the role is going to define us. Like motherhood will define you unless you decide what motherhood means to you. And motherhood meaning like what culture says motherhood is, what culture says a woman who is a mother should look like, should dress like, should talk like, should be like. And there's also the layer of that. And you're probably catching this in there and you're probably describing this to your clients. But there's also the like, the codependent role of being a mother or a lover or spouse or any of those things where we want it to mean something like we want it to give us our identity. And so we throw all of ourself into it, hoping that it's going to fulfill these empty places in our, in our lives. I think we're all asking that question and we're looking for one answer. Who am I? As if there is one way to sum that up and we can't, and we're not the roles we play. We're not the things that we do. So really being able to come into a sense of who you are for, for me and how I teach women to own themselves and really claim who they are. Maybe it's the first time they've ever claimed who they are. We start with what they value. And so their highest values, I am a woman who values tenderness. And that phrase, I am a woman who is a way to like, yeah, own it. I am a woman who values authenticity. I'm a woman who values wholeness. And so we go through this process and by the end, she's, standing taller and she knows who she is and she didn't have to define herself by her role or by her Mm -hmm. job or what she's done in the past begins with knowing what you value and this is connecting to you know in the feminine wholeness method there are three ways of knowing it's i call them head heart and honeypot and the head is the masculine pole and the honeypot's the feminine pole and interesting the heart can be associated with the child the inner child so you're kind of already tapping into your three ways of knowing and all of us can male or female because we all have the masculine energy feminine energy and really this heart space is about that sacred union and wholeness is about that integration of the male and female energy so when we work with our values we're working with the masculine energy and we're working with the aspirational that's like up and out you know it's the above us and it's the things that we may never be able to embody and um, be perfect 100% but they're aspirational and they're beautiful and then when we work with our desires we're working like with our with our body we're working with what's in us we're working with more feminine pull and what we choose to embody and so then we work with what we're devoted to and so when a woman knows what she does what she values what she desires and what she is devoted to that heart space like 
She's well on her way to living a life of alignment. I'm going to imagine a world where I stop introducing myself to somebody and then ask them what they do. And instead, I'm going to say, what do you value? What do you desire? <laughs> and what, what are you devoted to? And those are like, you know, because that immediately takes the bounds off of us yeah. or creates an incredibly awkward situation, yeah. which I love. <laughs> like getting a ticket from a cop. Like, By the way, yeah. <laughs> devoted to <laughs> my work. He's like, puts his pen down. It's like, giving your ass a ticket. Yeah, I mean, but most people don't, they haven't had a chance to ask themselves those questions. And obviously those are questions that require a great deal amount of introspection and self-reflection and we go deep and, Mm -hmm. and, but the more we work with that prompt, the more we know who we are and who we are can, can shift throughout the seasons of our life. And there's going to be a thread of soul through it all. And so you'll find that there are probably some values and desires that have remained with you since childhood. And then there are some values that, you know, align with the role that you're now in if you are a father or a mother. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful just to be able to to really go within as a way to own who you are and own your life and take that power back from the areas where you've given it away unconsciously. Mm. Give me an like, example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Away. Well, we all have the power to define who we are and to, uh, we can't control the circumstances, but we can decide who we are based on what we value and how we embody those values. And that's how we define spirituality. It doesn't matter what religious path you follow, but do you embody your values? That's your spirituality. And how closely and how, how much attention you bring to that embodiment, that's your spirituality. It doesn't matter what religious path yeah. you follow. So the, we unconsciously give our power away to anything that we say we look to for permission. And we right, we're waiting for it to accept us, yeah, to call us out and be like, "You're chosen." We the we the board of hubbubs yeah. chosen you, and we're looking yeah. for that all the time. Like for women yeah. who are you know, grow up in the church, because that's a lot of the women that yeah. I've worked with in the past. They long to embody their sexuality. That because sexuality is aliveness. It's it's radiance. It's creativity. It's playfulness. It's it's all the things that make us feel alive and make it fun. You know, have a flirtatious energy with the world, and they long for that. But they're still unconsciously giving their power away to an institution that they get to determine. They meaning the institution or a family that says, uh, no, that's, you don't get to wear that as a mom. Now you're a mom. You don't get to wear that or you don't get to speak like that or show up in the world like that because, you know, we are determining what it means for you to be a good mom, a good wife, a good woman. So then we can take the power back and yeah. decide for ourselves. You know, I, sorry. Yeah, go for I, it. I, it's, I recently had a really clear experience of kind of the inner roles you're speaking about women by thinking about my, you know, it's kind of a, like shake my head term, but inner child, you know, yeah. like inner mother, inner father. And uh, I, it, it was a little example of me doing exactly what you're leading women to do, what you lead men to do, uh, which is taking back, you know, and, and pieces of yourself mm-hmm. and, and incorporating and then integrating until they are actually just you, yeah. right? Like I don't plan on carrying my, values in my pocket for the next five years you know i'm just doing that because i can't remember them right now you know yeah, it's, it's like stage one like, you know, i don't want growing you to up. Carry <laughs> i don't know that's great but uh I, 
Uh, you know what? Never mind on that on that story. But that's that. The gist of it is just. Um, I guess the, the my point is really is that. I've started to experience once I know my values more and I have a little framework around that works for me, like my little tricks, you know, that, that allow me to um, invite them in and recognize them when they are there and recognize the opportunities, the fertile ground where they can grow mm-hmm. As I've started. It snowballs. Like you start to do one and you're like, Oh, I just did the thing. And I did something good for myself that I would not have done mm-hmm. had I not been aware of this and putting these pieces together. I imagine that you experience that constantly with your clients and in your life too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably the most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. And for me, it's what's helped me through times of intense confusion about who I am. So intense that it leads to a form of mental breakdown where you're yeah. just like, I don't know what's up, what's down, who am I, what do I want? Um, what should I be doing? What am I called to do? Like, there are so many questions that sometimes, like, for me and my experience, it's like the the floor gets ripped out from underneath me and I'm falling and I can't answer any of those questions. But yeah. what gives me grip and what gives me a foundation is to return to, I know I value tenderness. Mm. Even when I'm insane, even when I'm like yeah. losing my mind, I know my values. I know I value authenticity. Yeah. And so they become the stabilizing force when I feel very unstable. It's beautiful. Um, I've uh, had this experience uh, that you're consent- putting, you're articulating, that's actually really helping me with something that, uh, like a big step in this process for me is to get what we're talking about into and through my my creative pursuits, because mm-hmm. that's my job. Like I yeah. paint and I write. And one of the, the most important part of uh what I would like to reflect to the world through those modalities is an, is an inner world Mm. that has a landscape and it looks like something and that I can go and navigate through creativity, through um, meditation or prayer. It's a place I can literally imagine and go to and work out some of these and play with some of these things. And one of what I'm, I've been doing is, is creating this inner world and what does it look like? And are there mountains? And is it, and what I kind of see is like an archipelago of islands and, you know, there's kind of a deserty part. And I just like creating this, like minecrafting my own inner world and structure building something like you're talking about is a big part of that. And I kind of see, Cause like my, I've had experience with un- unstable psyche and it's really scary. Mm-hmm. Like anyone out yeah. there who's experiencing that, yeah. my heart goes out to you. Yeah. And one of the things that's helping me is to, is for, you wouldn't think it, but like the values and mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm creating a land inside that I can go. And now I'm building a house. Yeah. I've searched around mm-hmm. and I found a nice spot that has the right shade and the light. Now let's build, yeah. you know? And that sense of that, that's really helping me. And you actually, the way you articulate it almost feels like, well, if, if like I, one of my experiences has, has been mental or uh, psychological instability, mm-hmm. well, my inner world better have a really nice, firm, grounded, rooted yes. structure that I can go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're describing that, it's like the safe place. Totally. And we yeah. all need a safe place. Yeah. We all need that inner sanctuary that we can retreat to and be replenished and and rest there. And beautiful. That's yeah. amazing. That's really good. I mean it's and it's also we can all do this. Like anyone listening to this can can feel into their body right now and before there's any visuals with it, just feel where in your body feels warm and safe and good. And it can be anywhere. It can be 
in your heart. It can be in your armpit. It can be <laughs> behind your left earlobe or behind your knee. It just there's always somewhere within your body that is safe and warm and good. And you just then invite your consciousness to go there. And that's a way to actually reclaim the body as a safe place. Yeah. It's easy to escape through the imagination, which is a beautiful tool to use. And we want to use that too. Yeah. And imagine if you could marry the imagination with a place in your body. So another meditation that I take my women through in the feminine wholeness method is this heart meditation where we get to design our heart and you know imagine a heart that's adorned with diamonds or imagine a heart that is that archipelago and that beautiful safe place or imagine your heart as a field of flowers and just marry your imagination with a breathwork practice or an embodiment practice to start really tapping into the resources that are within each one of us, which are the embodied resources of our felt sense and our sensuality and our senses, and then the the resources of our imagination. And when we can bring those together in, in a moment, we are then integrating. We're actually building new wires. And so we have yeah. more of an experience of getting to show up in the world from a place of wholeness. A hundred percent. And it's not a place of escape. Yeah. It can be, but that's one be. little place in there, one little yeah. way to be. But uh, you're describing a comfortable place in your body. Uh, that was part of my getting over some chronic uh, injuries mm-hmm. because the, the um, inviting the um, body yeah. and the feelings you have in the body recognizing that those are part of one's uh, what I, the, what I call their inner world, you know, yeah. whatever you might want to call it. I think that's a huge part of it. And one way I got through some chronic injuries uh, was that had become more like in my head, you might say, mm-hmm. which, you know, if something's in your head or in your body, that, those things are so, so woven, you know, I'm not saying it's like in your head. I've never say that to anybody. Um, but uh, I could also tell that this was not a physical, mm-hmm. it was more of an emotional mm-hmm. and a habitual, it was a groove I'd greased. Mm-hmm. And I did what you just said. I yeah. would go in, and I forgot who told me to do this, but they suggested finding a part of your body that just feels good, yeah, like healthy, mm-hmm. you know? So it wasn't about safety, it was about strength yeah. and health, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, well, I just like categorized all my, you know, went through all my joints. And I was like, well, this shoulder's got no problems. And then I would just like take that feeling and grow it out. And then I would like put it in my knee. Yes. Yes, (laughs) And you can do it. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, That's beautiful. It's like bridging the consciousness of the the shoulder that's really healthy with the experience of the knee that, and yeah, isn't that cool what our minds can do and are married with our body. We get to reclaim it all. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, the beauty of being human and being at this stage in evolution, we get to reclaim it all. Agreed. So uh, people have asked me like how we got into this, how you got started, how I got started. And I, and I realized that the answer I used to give them about how you and I got into this isn't right. Hmm. And, (laughs) and maybe it was right for then. It was right for then. Well, I guess what I should say is, I always, I always thought like kind of the, the, the beginning of romance and adventure started when you and I were like decided to address the baggage that was affecting our relationship, mm-hmm. especially the intimate side of our relationship. Mm-hmm. But I, as I was listening to you talk and thinking about these tools that you've used and how long you've been using these tools, I thought you've actually been using these tools since before you and I got together. Yeah. And and I had, you know, so I don't know if you know this, but like, you, you do know that I was married before 
And that's when I met Morgan. Yes. Right. And I don't know if you know that my ex-wife and I were the first people that she told that she was pregnant when she got pregnant with Luca. Oh, okay. And. Oh, so you uh, y'all were close. Yeah. 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 We were like very, um, sibling. I mean, it was, you guys were like safe people at a stage in my life where I was really unstable. (laughs) I was partying it up. I was on all sorts of medication for depression and anxiety uh, and ADHD, which I don't even know if I had ADHD, but I, at the time I was like, bring me all the drugs. <laughs> so I was on all the drugs and you guys were a safe place for me. Yeah. I mean, it was really, platon- it doesn't even matter, but it was like, you, we, we had a lot of mercy for you, a lot of hope for you. And I knew that you were going to be okay. And, but what was so crazy was like, we, we didn't talk for a long time. And from the moment, from the last time I saw you, you were like having a meltdown. You were, you found, just found out you're pregnant like that day. I, I don't know what you thought your plan was. I was entering into the first stages of a divorce. I was trying hard to like keep my wits about myself then because I just felt like a failure because my, of all the divorce in my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cut to two and a half years later, two, two years, nine months later, right? Yeah. Um, we reconnect over the phone through actually reconnect through LinkedIn. <laughs> we I'm going to keep saying, LinkedIn. I'm going to say LinkedIn. They're going to be one of our first sponsors. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And you the were in England, right? Thing. I was in England. The thing I remember about your, your story that you tell me is that you had this novel length amount of texts between yes, you two did. while you were in England. Yes, we did. Like you fell in love. We did. we did. We did. Yeah. We totally did. Yeah. But before even that happened, we reconnected. And when we spoke over the phone, I was like, holy shit, this person is completely different. You were compl- wildly different mm. than from the last time I spoke. Motherhood. Motherhood. Motherhood is a <laughs> powerful initiation. So what values were coming up for <laughs> you then? I mean, because it, you could have taken you could have taken an easier road out. Mm-hmm. You could have, you know, done yeah. something different, and you didn't. You owned your experience as a mother, yeah, and so much so that you created an organization mm-hmm. around single mother, single parenting. Mm-hmm. IHeartSingleParents.com. <laughs> I wonder who has that your you. I don't know, now. but that but there. I remember <laughs> this was kind of before Facebook took off, right? Oh yeah, it was before mm-hmm. Facebook was a public thing, people mm-hmm. could join. We're that old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 40s and 27. Mm-hmm. That's how old we were back then. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was 26. 26. Yeah, I was 26. 26, sorry. 26. And, uh, and you created this place. You had thousands of people who had joined that site. Mm-hmm. You had a whole movement of people who were deciding to bring their values, to own their values then. Does that resonate with you? The tagline was happily ever now. And that's what I decided when I became a single mom that I wasn't going to wait for someone to choose us before we started living, me and Luca, our own romance and adventure. I was going to make life as beautiful for him and for me as I could. And I knew that was an inside job. And so instead of happily ever after, like single mom, happily ever now, like what can I do in this moment to bring beauty, to bring a sense of whimsy and playfulness and possibility and hope in my life for my son's sake and to be able to live in that energetic space of possibility and 
that really that that good feeling we all want, which is like anything is possible and life is just going to get better and better. And I think I really had to choose that consciously. And I know a lot of single mothers and fathers um, never really got the message or our Mm -hmm. culture just really there's a stereotype around the quality of that life. How did you break through that? Because when I spoke with you and I I, I remember exactly where I was, I remember like (laughs) all of the details of this phone conversation and you had an insane confidence. I mean, you, you went from like, Mm. you know, uh, I'm sorry, I have to use a patriarchal story, but like you were, you went from the kid wandering around King Arthur's forest to pulling the sword out of the stone. Mm. Like, like, you know, you were the chosen one in the sense that like you went from what am I going to do to, I have found the answer brothers and sisters, and this is what you need to do. And tens of thousands of people came beside you. You were on the news. There's like, it was love. It was love for Luca. And I realized, you know, in my pregnancy, when I was probably eight or nine months pregnant, I knew I was going to become a mom. It was the scariest thing is like it's Finally. happening. It's happening. I'm definitely gonna be a mom. Yeah, it took me a while to catch on to what my body was doing. And and really like that, the loss of identity, that was where one of my first breakdowns happened, actually, was the loss of the woman I thought I was and mm-hmm. the life that I thought I was gonna have, and then feeling completely disqualified from it, getting pregnant and um feeling rejected by the father and rejected by society, you know? So, but after I worked through that breakdown and came out on the other side, it really choosing, like, that was like, I choose him. I choose us. I choose this. And I knew I had to wake up because what was, I was willing to deal with as far as the consequences of my own choices and the self-sabotage cycles I was in, I was not willing to have to have him suffer that. Yeah. And so it was really love for him and and wanting to give him a better life that enabled me to have a better life for myself. And that's where I was at the, at the beginning of it all. I didn't have enough self-love or self-worth at that yeah. point to do it for me, but I would do it for him. Mm-hmm. It worked. What, what, what does a person do if they don't have a kid uh, yeah. or someone outside of themselves? I mean, I guess there's billions of people outside of ourselves, but what would you say to that question? I think it's about connecting to your inner child. I mean, as cliche as it is, like we need that connection with innocence again, and it's our own innocence. So Luca was a mirror for my child. exactly, And so my inner child and my innocence, and no one wants to disrupt the innocence and to be able to reclaim your own innocence. Like there's a strong drive to protect to protect the the possibility and the innocence and hope of a child. And so I didn't have the language for inner child back then. I didn't have any concept that I had an inner child, but I think that is one of the most beautiful things you can do. The most beautiful work you can do is really recreating connection with that part of you, healing that part of you, and then devoting your life to honoring that part of you that's so full of life and magic. It sounds like you just have to get connected to other people. You know, to be able to, um, like I had another friend of mine, uh, David, I don't think you've met my, my good friend, David, but he, he was going to go into law enforcement and then that spun into, um, supervising a group home for troubled youth. Mm-hmm. And he's done that for six years now and it has completely transformed him as a human. Yeah. And by completely, I mean like significantly, Yeah. you know, and it's, he's now has language and a daily experience with helping kids who mm-hmm. need help. Like they yeah. need support. 
they are heightened in their um, the ways that they're suffering and uh, susceptible to um, some of the hardships of of being yeah. human, right? Yeah. And it's like he's done it now, and now yes. he takes care of himself better, and he, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there is that mirroring, like when we're around children or we have our own children, we we recognize that there's a part of us that's just like them that needs help. And somehow that, that vulnerability and that imperfection and it's like, it's beautiful in another person in a child or um, another human being, but it's really hard to own in ourselves our imperfections, our vulnerability, the places where we need help. And so doing whatever, yeah, what your friend was doing to connect with the being able to support and be a part of someone else's life. Did you experience the same thing becoming a father? Yes and no. I mean, the kids are an insane mirror to your, all your qualities and all your errors. And they mirror your joy and accomplishments emotionally, spiritually, and the pain that you have in your life your shortcomings and they're not just mirrors they're magnifiers of those things and yeah the, the egos the selfishness yeah, and yeah oh, it's like looking at your those things and like 4xing the the volume you know, <laughs> what's going on there and and i'd say i'm a slow learner i'm a real slow learner in the sense that i think my life was spent thinking i i would find my value by helping others and by serving others and by yeah. doing that kind of thing and neglecting my own heart for a long time. And like, even though I knew connecting to my heart, loving myself, loving my inner child, treating my inner child with tenderness, I knew all that stuff. I could like take a written test on it and, and say it, but it didn't start to become a practice until maybe a year ago. But the amount of, of um, ac- inner accomplishments and progress within myself really began to, to grow exponentially yeah. Yeah. when I treated myself with a lot of tenderness, a lot of kindness, a lot of grace, and like, total acceptance for who I am. It's funny because you sometimes people say, yeah, I struggled for a long time and then I figured it out. But it's like, really, you were tending the soil for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like that idea of the parable about the bamboo, this mm-hmm. type of bamboo that you water, and you gotta water, this is really, you gotta water this thing for five years and nothing comes out of the ground. Mm-hmm. But when wow. it does, it grows 80 feet in like <laughs> three months. Amazing. You know? <laughs> and it sounds yeah. a little bit like that. Too. Yeah, that would be a good one, yeah. I don't want to devalue all the like trench work, you know, that we do. And right. it feels like you know, you're reading all these books and you're kind of like, maybe, maybe there's some half-assing of things, but it's on your radar. And, you know, slowly it's like nebula, like a star takes a long time to, of of like nebula chaos to come together and spin, start to have some, you know, visual, like, okay, something's happening here. And then a spark happens. I appreciate you saying that. Cause there, there are, there were like great moments of growth in both of our lives. And then what feels like, frozen tundra slow processing but it's the same it's like there is so much going on underneath the surface that is building up to when it can then be reflected on the outside and and i and i say that hopefully to be an encouragement to people who are addressing your wounds and who are addressing your fears and and 
the feelings of lack in your life and, and even being aware of them is work towards healing them. Even yeah. understanding that yeah. they exist is yeah. somehow reversing yeah. them. All love begins in the act of paying attention. Mm. That's where we begin. And I work with women is just the recognition that how we pay attention is everything and slowing down to pay attention is necessary. And, and we can't, we can't heal. We can't experience growth without love. Love is it. Love is the means. Love is the, the end goal. It's everything. And I heard that quote by a yoga teacher at LA Fitness. I don't even know her name. I remember her. She, do you? Yeah, you I should do find her. her. Like, seriously, my yeah. life's work is like built on this one line. And it <laughs> stuck with me so deeply. And I meditated on it and I reflected on it. And I went back to it again and again and again. And just how powerful it is that all love, like love begins in the act of paying attention. Where do we begin when we get lost? We slow down and start paying attention again. And another question I love asking my clients is like, what if the only thing separating you from the woman you desire to be is the quality of your attention? Yeah. There you go. Mm. Yeah. And, and part of start paying attention sometimes is just, making your attention more dense more quality yeah with love with love and and gentleness with compassion with instead of like that hyper focus of what can i fix like there's so many things wrong with me and and i need to fix everything all at once instead it's like just be abide with yourself and witness with these eyes of compassion yeah i think that's kind of what you were talking about yesterday when you're asking me like you know meditation prayer these things you know and, and really what i was trying to answer was just do i value focusing my attention and 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 what is behind that attention like you said is it uh, i'm going to fix this problem attention is it allowance that's a type of attention you know um is it uh um is it uh well i'd have to think about that more on like types of attention but i do see that they can definitely change it's not just focus it's like focus with an intent Mm -hmm. you know also in the value of doing that. Is well, we huge. were talking yesterday about um, growing older and wanting to be healthy in our old age. Yeah. Right. And, and I think this speaks to that in particular because you were, you were a, a, a very accomplished athlete and I had a pattern in my life of trying to be an athlete and then pushing myself till I got hurt and then would get injured and then be out for a while and then basically repeated that cycle. And you asked me a really good question, which is what changed that? How'd you stop? And the goal was, and this is coming back to paying attention. So Mm. (laughs) the goal was, well, I wanted to keep doing this when I'm old, I want to be able to run or climb or whatever in my old age. You said, well, how did you do that? I started thinking, like started feeling and paying attention to my body and listening to it. And as I was engaging in something that I used to hit the wall and harm and I would begin to back off. And I think that it's the same emotionally or spiritually. Like if, if my old pattern was to pay attention to everybody else, to neglect my own heart, actually that now becomes a signal when I want to serve people to go, "Mm, hmm. Maybe that's my body trying to tell me something. Yeah. Maybe I'm lacking something else. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I need to find the nourishment and nutrient for that experience, mm-hmm. for that young part of my soul. Yeah. And how can I address that? That's a heck of a trick. Yeah. <laughs> when your red flag warning sign is this 
obviously very good thing to do in this world. Yeah. You know, it's like, but it's timing. It's what's going on with you. Is this the time for that? Yeah. That's ninja work. It is ninja work. (laughs) And I'm starting to work my belt, work work my belt in that. Sounds like it. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So it's been an incredible gift to watch you do this with people and to see the success that you've had, which is kind of bonkers and watching the women in your, in that world transform before your eyes, before my eyes. And then the incredible invitation to have those men come and work with me sometimes and to see it on both sides, like to see these guys throw themselves themselves into everything that we just talked about, paying attention to themselves, being kind to themselves, loving themselves paying attention to their marriage, being, being able to do some of the thing we have used some of these phrases, like hold space for each other, mm-hmm. which is essentially being with one another with no agenda other than just mm-hmm. having that space. And I wonder if you can hold space for another, if you haven't yet learned how to hold space for yourself. Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. 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 I think that's a huge value of mine is like, everything that you're is good to offer and best to offer for someone else. Like you, you deserve it too. Yeah. You know? Yes. And I think this is yeah. probably for men who don't fit the stereotypical masculine role. Uh, I know women, they tend to give the best stuff away before they nourish themselves with it, including pleasure, mm-hmm. including I mean, sexual pleasure. Yes. But yeah. like all sorts of goodness. And I bet that's also more than just women's experiences yeah. where you you don't nourish yourself with the good things and you feel like someone else deserves it more or they're worth it more. And uh, really a lot of this healing and holing work for males and females and non-binary and that's just bringing (laughs) everyone in is learning how to supremely care for ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My guess with guys or maybe let's just say masculine, the more masculine Mm -hmm. energy, the polarity of that is is kind of a, a selfishness in the sense that they feel like if I don't do this, I'm not going to have enough in the future. Mm. And it's, it's like, a it's the, it comes from a place where feeling like there's going to be lack. There's going to be a, a, a um, it's like a kid who's like at the table and like they take all the food when the food comes out because they're just worried about the future mm. or they're, or they're numbing from some other pain where women are are built, they're programmed, the feminine is programmed to serve, Mm -hmm. to give, to look after, and men are programmed to take and to hunt and all those kinds of things. I think this is an interesting conversation. We have an opportunity now. I'm a woman. Mm. You two are men. I'll say. I don't think there's enough conversations happening between men and women Yeah. about things that matter. And I... It really hit me when I was on my vision fast and it was nine days out. Time out. Okay. <laughs> what the hell's a vision fast? I know what it is. I mean, you go on it. But you can't just like gloss over it like everyone does this. Yeah. It sounds like a it's lot of time without eating. It is. I would say it's something um, uh, white people do at a certain <laughs> time in 
life if they haven't figured out who they are. We have no other traditions or rituals. We're deprived of initiation aside from motherhood. So, you know, but joking aside, it was a powerful experience where I did go out into the wilderness. And we should say the organization because they're 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 doing amazing stuff. They're doing amazing work with youth and they're doing amazing work with adults who still feel like youth. So say their name. Yes. Cascadia Quest. Cascadia Quest. In Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Miller. Very good. Yeah. So I thought I was going to go on this. But turns out I'm I, the one who I needed to fast. I talked to them. I talked to them. I'm like, hmm, I think my wife might need to Yeah, which is the last thing I wanted to do. I mean, I love the outdoors, but I love glamping style outdoors. I love hiking when I get to go back to a nice spa retreat or hotel. Like I love, yeah. So just briefly, briefly say what it was. Yeah, it was nine days and we spent three days in prep mode and it was a lot of emotional, soulful prep. And then we spent, you know, kind of four days, three full nights out there alone. We found our spots like far away from camp and we were there without shelter, without food and we had water we we hiked in our own water and we had no timepieces which was a huge thing we had no way to tell time we had no cell phone with us and it was just our experience with the land and with our own inner landscape and what was going on and and really the invitation was to come home claiming something about yourself mm-hmm. and so it was Cascadia Quest that taught me the power of a claiming statement mm-hmm. and really you decide who you are yeah and then everyone else can um, organize themselves around that. That path of self-initiation mm-hmm. is insanely difficult yeah. unless you have a container or you're able to have the knowledge and self-awareness to point to the times in your life that clearly marked when you stepped over a threshold. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has that. I mean, it, yeah, our know. culture is definitely deprived of celebration around those threshold moments and also the the initiation like deciding that this is when I become an adult and women are fortunate we do have motherhood and it's such an embodied experience where I mean we come out on the other side of that experience changed and I think the part of that is like the suffering is a crucible Mm -hmm. and a holy experience Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And our body changing in all these ways we can't control. And then the, the miracle of life. And it's just such a powerful experience. But there's also aspects of ourselves that didn't, didn't get celebrated, yeah. didn't get um, really honored. And so we were all there. I mean, there was nine of us total. And this is what brings me to the conversation, men and women. And to listen to everyone's why, what brought them there to voluntary, voluntarily go through this experience. Like we all came with different reasons, but the conversations that we could have just on the human level and hearing from our different perspectives, like the journey of a man, the journey of a woman and what, what, uh, obstacles we run up against and what is our pain and what is our longing? Like I've, so enriching and I desire more of that and more spaces where there's more conversations between men and women I think so too so are you inviting yourself back uh, maybe yeah I feel like (laughs) we didn't really I mean I feel like there's a lot of interesting avenues to go down we haven't explored yet I mean sexuality flirtation like all the stuff that your listeners probably really want to know like how do you deal with feminine energy as a man how do I deal with 
masculine energy as a woman when it comes into the room and it's how like, do you deal with the own your own opposite within you yeah and you how do you mean? deal with it how do you come home to that opposite within you and uh yeah i mean there's a lot of really cool things we could bring to the surface I okay think, then but. here's what we're gonna do in front of everybody okay okay you take this hand <laughs> Take this hand, <laughs> and we agree. We agree that we're gonna yeah. have these conversations. More. Yeah, Absolutely. and uh, we'll come on. I think we'll just schedule it out and start to explore some things. So, if you're watching this and you have some questions about masculine energy, feminine energy, how they work together, you've been you've been talking to me a lot about your experience and kind of with feminine energy and and relationship with women. Yeah. from old to young and it's yeah. beautiful it's so thoughtful um so if you're you i'm sure fireworks are going off in your head and you're having a lot of questions and we we try to keep these relatively short to about an hour we could talk for probably six or seven hours i mean morgan and i talk about this <laughs> we've been talking the about this stuff day. for 12 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah every moment mm-hmm. so it's because it becomes so second nature to us it's hard to kind of you know address all the time because it's there but the we're we're game for it, and yeah, the more awkward the, the better. As I say, here's the reality: you're here because you're on a wholeness journey. Maybe you don't, maybe you know that consciously, maybe you don't. But you're we're all here because we're awakening to our own soulful whatever, fill in the blank, our purpose, our healing, our mission, and most likely you're not a monk. And you don't desire to be a monk in a cave. Like you're going to be working this out with another human being in your life or Mm -hmm. hope for another human being in your life. And the dynamic of that companionship on any level, whether it's marriage or dating, like that's a conversation we need to have because it's, we are these beautiful streams of energy that are like weaving in and out. Right. And there's um, a lot of opportunity for, uh, just like a portal of healing and growth when you are in relationship, like a erotic romantic relationship with someone else. And then there's a lot of um, obstacles to that as well. And it can be so cool and nuanced. And I'm going to pick on Daniel again, because he's right next to me. Um, you, you uh, told me a story yesterday and, and where you had gone on a date and the date what didn't work out in a romantic way. <laughs> going into dating life, all right. But then, but then what you did was you were like, you know what, that person needs a friend. And you reached out to them and you're like, hey, mm. you, you just feel like you need to hang out with somebody. And you guys went and did something and it was like insanely healthy. Like just good. Good for her, good for you. Yeah, that's good. And I was listening to that and I thought, shit, like, man, like people just need to act that way. Like it, yeah. because it takes all the objectification off. It brings your humanity to the forefront, her humanity to the forefront, your pursuit of wholeness, your care and kindness for another human being. Um, and I think men, or maybe not men, but we live in a culture where it's like the, the polar polarity relationship is like almost, it's either, we either want it to be permanent or there's now this like kind of hookup culture or we want it to be as temporary as possible. Yeah. And there, we don't have a lot of value for anything in between. And what you did was like, I'm actually going to be of service to somebody, even for this moment. And I mean, that's... It was, I, again, I was also serving myself. <laughs> I needed, I'm a win-win person. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, there's a time to sacrifice. I don't think, I don't think you were, you were, uh, yeah, I know that. But I think what this brings is like a beautiful possibility mm-hmm. of 
men and women doing life together in more than just um, a sexualized way. Because I feel like this is, I don't know, like you tell me, because I'm not, it's been a long time since I've been single. I've been married to this man for a good chunk of time. And, but I feel like there's few opportunities for men and women to be friends. Mm-hmm. And at least in the culture, like we started off marriage in the evangelical Christian culture, it was discouraged for men and women to be yeah. friends. And it was like, you're entering into dangerous territory um, if you attempt that. And um, I just remember like so much of my joy came from masculine friendships, just like people having friendships with people who aren't me yeah. that have a very different life experience. But you know, that was one of the things I lost becoming an evangelical Christian was the ability to have friendships with men outside my one dear beloved friendship with my husband. And so I think this is, but I think it's not just my experience. I think it's a lot of people's experience in our culture. And it's because I think we haven't matured to the place of having these conversations and what does it look like to be a seductive person and to have a very alive sexuality and then still be able to have a friendship with someone of the opposite sex and relate to each other as human beings mm-hmm. and not sexualized objects. Mm-hmm. Well, and inviting, inviting in the opposite sex and now we can no longer say kind of opposite sex because now it's not just two. Right. It's like, but inviting in other uh, genders and, yes. and um, equations of genders, you know, uh, into one's life has, I kind of feel like I struck gold. It, it was one of those play, things that was on my mind, but I didn't really conceptualize until you know, the bamboo took a long time to water before the sprout came in. It finally came in the in the idea and realization that I just needed to invite women into my life and be open, mm-hmm. you know? And like Ron was saying, invite uh, a platonic, invite romantic, invite... Um, gray areas, invite grandmother, invite kids, invite colleagues, you know, yeah. and just come here, you know, because I had done that with men. Yeah. I had all these father figures and I have a wonderful father, um, you know, but I just had collected a lot of men and it was like lopsided. Mm-hmm. And so all of my desire for women, everything that a woman, that, that the feminine aspect, but it was all, it was all in the romance. Mm-hmm like category. And so every, there was all this pressure. What am I trying to say? It's like, I was looking for everything that a woman brings to this world through a romantic relationship with a woman. And like, that is not sustainable and it creates pressure and tension. And luckily I was with, I've been, I was married for quite a while. And then I've also been with in two long-term relationships since that in the last five years. And both those women were really, all three were very wise. And the two women since, like, t- they were open to, they were encouraging uh, of having other uh, friendships and re- even that could be flirty, you yeah. know, and exploring that. And, and it's not like, oh, great, I can flirt. So can you, let's go do it. You know, then you cross lines a little bit too much uh, emotionally and you realize, oh, I don't want you doing that. Or, oh, this didn't feel respectful to my partner. And you start to, you start to navigate those yeah. waters, you know, mm-hmm. but the, the place you arrive to after navigating those waters is firm ground, yeah. you know, and it's plentiful and abundant. And that's the island in my inner arch- archipelago that I could maybe have a marriage, you that's know, beautiful. whereas I was on this little island before there was a room and I was like, I was angstful. Yeah. You there was nothing wrong with you. That's just the only map you were given. You know, yeah. this is how you have also the feminine true. in your life. Yeah. You have it through the mother or you have it through a romantic partner, but there's really not 
other maps at either side, yeah. either any of us have been given. So I'm just really intrigued by that journey and that your experience there and the courage. And I'm just sitting here as a woman being like, what would that look like for me to do that? And I, I already feel in my body, like that tension, like <laughs> that's not the same. Like, how do I get over this fear that, yeah. you know, men will get the wrong idea? You know, like I'm going. Right. Through- yeah. I, I'll give you a funny example because we spoke to another guest who, whose world is in this world. But when I started taking jujitsu and I told you this, I brought you along the journey to, you know, coming home and tell you my lessons every day where jujitsu is the most, like it is about as You're intimate, vulnerable <laughs> and intimate as you can. You're like literally wrapping your legs around one another, your chest to chest, belly to belly, face to face, you know, ear to ear all the time. And, and I remember starting as a beginner and doing that with young and all both genders and there was so much safety and respect in that world. And I, you know, I got to hand it to Andy again for fostering that and everybody there yeah. for doing that. Yeah. But there, but there is this strange, like fulfillment in that yeah, intimacy, there is. like a lot of safety and like a lot of mutual respect and, and what he called, I forget, can't remember the phrase he used, but essentially like, I tr- I'm trusting you not to hurt me. Yeah. And then, of course, not to sexualize me, yeah. right? In this very intimate kind of sexual position. Yeah, I mean, that sport is like the most like sex than anything. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. It's a rough and tumble fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it allows that intimacy, that intimacy maybe in jujitsu with men. Yeah. And the lack of, of sexual intimacy in friendship with women, like those are kind of in the same ballpark, in my opinion, like they are roles maybe that we haven't, mm-hmm. that maybe, maybe a lot of people haven't been thrust mm-hmm. into. If you haven't been, it allows an immature part of yourself potentially. And it, if you have that to grow up, yeah. you know, that's a great way. So it's not always it, comfortable yeah. and maybe yeah. not for a while. And maybe you'll make mistakes. Like when yeah. I do that, it's like my little kid is going out to make a new friend and they're like learning how to be friends. Totally. And we need that journey and we need conversation around that journey and that we're not going to do it perfectly, but we need to be on this journey. And it's a journey of consciousness. And this is partly why it's not safe for women to make friends with everyone and be super friendly right. and flirtatious yeah. with everyone because a lot of people haven't begun that journey yeah. of their own wholeness. And so of course, the only lens they have to interpret that dynamic through is one that's sexualized. And so one of, you know, you could be a certain ways down the on your journey of wholeness, but unfortunately, like trying to have a whole relationship with someone who hasn't began that journey yet, it can be very, very messy. Oh, totally. So well, that's where communication comes women. Let's yeah, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love frank communication. Like, listen, I have no interest in you as a friend. I I might be. I'm sorry, as romantically, maybe I'm saying this, maybe someone else is, but like, I really do want this other thing. Are you open to that? You know, and and maybe there's like, yeah, I'm open to it, and then you find out you're not. Right. Or, or things change. Yeah, or, or things change. And yeah, it's, like, it's, it's trench warfare. Like, I mean, it's like, this is like the real stuff and it's not without its yeah. pitfalls and its dangers, but this is the real stuff yeah. of the next level community and next level like connection with people and and possibility. And I just think that, I mean, I desire that so much. And I also know it's like so far down the line for a lot of people like <laughs> and being able to imagine it. Right? I know. I mean, it's the, it's the class that I took where we talk about sexual harassment, it's basically like how to talk to someone at the office. Mm-hmm. Like, don't put your hand on them. Don't put your hand on their boob. Like, you know, be a grown up. And then that night, some guy saying some yeah. terrible remark, and it's like, Jesus, man, like, 
Oh, we there the stakes yeah. are a little high. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. We can't trust another person fully until we've learned how to trust ourselves. Yeah. And that journey of regaining trust with ourselves because we've all betrayed ourselves and we've all broken our own promises. And so mm. that journey to regain trust and intimacy with yourself, yeah. like that has to take precedence. And then like you can begin to feel a certain level, like, yes, like I'm willing to take this risk. And then also like you have that internal check when things do start taking a turn. You're like, mm, maybe this direction it's heading in isn't right, but you have to have that internal compass and trust in that compass to be able to travel down these new roads and have enough, you know, confidence in yourself and your ability to communicate, to make it through any sort of mess up. Uh, But I've learned that you can't always communicate with someone you could have all great yeah. communication skills if someone else doesn't have any <laughs> your conversation's not going anywhere that's weird you like don't know when to like where yeah. when do i stop yeah. how do i stop this yeah that's beautiful thank you for sharing yeah. everything that you've shared today i'm looking forward to having you yeah, back here got, with us we just got warmed up I know. Okay, let's do this. We're not boys. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have some boy in me. You can own your inner boy. I can be the headmistress mama for a moment. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I can do this. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. This is so good. Okay, guys, if you got any suggestions, questions, or anything in between. Uh, let us know. We'd love to talk about them. See you guys. Everybody, this is Ron Cecil with uh, Cutting for Sign, and this is the field dressing where we review and go over and kind of unpack everything that we just talked about today. We're unpacking the conversation that I had with my wife, Morgan Day Cecil, uh, and Daniel, and uh, God, I'm so glad that's over. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, wow, you had a whole different take than I thought. No, I, it's easy to gush. It's easy for me to gush about her, and it's easy for me to be um, proud. And and I really was thinking about what you were saying about one of your values right now being honesty. Because because I know that we when we are excited about somebody, we can say things like, you know, I once went on a fishing trip and I caught a fish this big. You know, and 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 it gets bigger every year as the as time goes on. <clears throat> but Morgan's the real deal. I mean, I've been with her a long time, and she's doing actual good yeah. on Earth with actual people, and it's rad to see. And I'm really looking forward to the conversations that we're gonna have in the future. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's the first thing you're. I mean, we've known each other for a long time, but that's the first time you kind of got some of that stuff on past. You, you know, you know of someone and have, you know, a couple mm-hmm. hours over 10 years, like racked up with them, you know, probably a little bit more, but not much. Yeah. And then you feel like you meet him for the first time. It's mm-hmm. a pretty neat experience because I'm also meeting you, you know, you two of us. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is what, you know, so it was, a uh, that was something special. It's really an honor to be around someone who has, um, a level of articulation around their, um, their work uh, with with people gaining wholeness in their life, and you know she's got some phrases that you can tell she's incorporated in. Them, but just when she riffs too, mm-hmm. she's got some articulation around it. I appreciated yeah, that. She really does. Um, she's she's not only well versed in this stuff; she's actually educated as well in it all. 
it all matters. It's really, <laughs> it's really good. I thought what she was proposing about men and women having more conversations around difficult parts of the dynamics between yeah. sexes is, is going to be really fun. And I think if somebody's watching this, like, I want to be a part of that conversation, especially if you're a woman, I would love to, or identify on the feminine spectrum. Like I would love for you to nice. reach out to us and let us know what that might look like and have some of those conversations. What did you think about um, that, that idea that we don't, there's not a sense of safety all the time for, for this, the fullness, the flourishment of, of the exchange of energies yeah. and, and all that. And I was glad she, I was glad yeah. she said that because that can fly off my radar a little pretty easily, you know, and uh, I, I've seen it. I completely understand. I, I do understand that that's a thing. And, yeah. you know, my, like come my response to that is communication is so important. Yeah. My response to that is you can't always communicate well with others. It's like, fair enough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, some boneheads just don't get the message and, yet, mean, and sometimes yeah. we don't get the message, right? Sure. Like, I'm yeah. putting into the details of like my navigating my own uh, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. I, I, I make choices that are, that are silly yeah. and from immature, not really grown up parts of myself all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but at this stage, they're not, they're finally not costing me or other people a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like even just within the last year, it's like yeah. finally those, you know, the level of those mistakes and are, are getting to a, a place where they're, you know, they're not costing too much. Yeah. Say. Yeah. That's interesting. Also interesting that you can barely see my dog <laughs> who you're petting, who's insisting on being underneath you. <laughs> There's a sweet dog down here. I love that dog. <laughs> like holding her head down. Yeah. <laughs> Stay out of the shot. But I, I think real quick before you, you were done here is yeah. uh, the thing that I, I was thinking about when we were just talking is uh her saying that she guides people to know their values, yeah, uh, to know what their desire, yeah, and what they're devoted to, yeah, you know, and that's just like simple, succinct, and it provides a groundwork to reflect that could really help people if you started maybe writing those things down, short lists. I so what I want to do. Let me just yeah. write three. Yeah, you know the values I kind of have, but what do I desire? What am I devoted to? Ooh, those are those in conflict? You know? Yeah. What are they? That's yeah. a great question. One of the things, you know, Morgan and I have been like working parallel with each other alongside each other. And then we work together with couples and we've led couples retreats. And I was for years, I was kind of like not into hearing her talk about her work because she has her own specialized language, her sure. own yeah. feminine wrapping around it. And and I've finally realized how dumb that is for me to like qualify what she's telling me because of the, of the, um, the energy around the words. And, and I've re- I realized like, Oh, that's, that's the, everything that she describes what we've been doing on our own life for years. Yeah. And what I've been doing with men, although I've been calling it something slightly different. Yes. And, and just today I was like, I'm not going to call something different. Like I, I just got to, just got to like stay sane in our terms so that she and I can oh. be on the same plane, but like the values, the desires and, and, and the devotion. Yeah. Like that's really it. Like what, what are those things? Cause they're tethers in your life. They are, they are, either they're either holding you up or they're pulling or keeping you to something. Yeah. And you get to decide what those are, what, what that's going to happen. Yeah. What that's going to be. 
And the way I used to describe like the, the um, devotion was like, who do you serve? Like, what do you serve? Are you aware yeah. of the full cost of what you're serving? Yeah. Whether that's your job or the culture you're part of or your family or whatever it is. Yeah. You recognize the cost. Yeah. That has. So, um, wow, I look like I'm in the spotlight. It's beautiful. <laughs> I look like I'm in the wing, yeah. dark wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to more conversations yeah. with her awesome. and more conversations with other folks around this stuff. And uh, she's a delight. She's a delight. If you want to find out more about her, uh, Instagram is the easiest place to find her. More at Morgan Day Cecil, all one word, or MorganDayCecil.com. Or you can find some of the tools that she and I have uh, come up with together at Romance and Adventure, Adventure.com, Romance and Adventure.com. It's all spelled out. Um, or you can, you know, find my website. It all links. All right. Thank you.